0: Uh, Good morning, Rock family. Hey, I want to tell you, uh, happy Resurrection Sunday. Because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. What you just saw was Easter, right, which is a specific date on the calendar. But every Sunday should be a Resurrection Sunday if you know Jesus. Can I get an amen? I'd like to say hello to those of you here in this room in Point Loma and then all those who are all over the uh, America all over America. Actually, from what I'm told, all 50 states. We have people online right now, uh, part of our online campus. What's up, online campus? I mean, not to mention San Marcos, San Ysidro, East County, City Heights. Where, where, where else? I said all of those. Anyways. My name is Ricky, and I, I am one of the, the pastors here at The Rock. I have been here for a long time. My, my wife and I have been here for like 14 years, serving alongside of Pastor Miles. And behind me, these are just four of our seven campus pastors. Could you welcome them this morning? Some of you have been around when we've done this type of service, a little bit different than your typical church for those of you that are new to the team. First of all, if you're new here, welcome. It's so, you know what, you belong here. So it's about time you got here. We've been waiting for you forever. This is a thing that we call four by seven and each one of these pastors behind me are going to have seven minutes. There's four of them. Get it four by seven and they're going to share their heart this morning, just like this video that we saw, just like what we've been talking about for months as we prepare for Easter, it's really the celebration of forgiveness, the ultimate forgiveness, God's act and final act of forgiveness. He defeated death. He kicked Satan in the teeth. That's, that's, that feels good to say. Someone just say it. He kicked Satan in the teeth. Doesn't that feel good? Today, each one of these pastors are going to preach for seven minutes about forgiveness. And what's awesome is our pastor lately Actually, ever since I've known him, but more specific, specifically, this year has been really drilling into discipleship. He's been teaching us how to multiply ourselves and disciple folks, right? We have the prayer journals, if you were here this week, we have D groups, we have R groups, we're reading the Bible, we're, we're actually discussing on Sunday what we're reading throughout the week, and that's all part of discipleship. This is our pastor's discipleship. Right, he shares his microphone, his stage. And, and believe me, he loves the Rock family. He's very jealous of his time. He wants his time with his family. And he gives some of it up so he can teach some young pastors how to communicate. And how to communicate not just with random people but their family, the Rock Church. This is a living, active picture of discipleship, what you get to experience this morning. Is anybody excited? Yeah. <laughs> and some of you just said, I don't know yet. I'll let you know in a bit if I'm excited. That's okay. That's okay. But here's how this goes down. Okay. If you are part of one of the campuses that your campus pastor happens to be sitting up on stage representing. When they take the stage, I want you to go nuts. Like we would be able to hear you over or through the airways. Okay. But if you are just here in this building in Point Loma, would you go crazy. Because listen, they are going to feed off of your energy. So if you guys pretend that you are the early service. Just kidding! I love you. Eight o'clock. If you have no energy and and these guys don't preach very good, it's, it's really your fault. That's what I'm saying. It's easy as that, right? So, if they say something that resonates with you and you feel like standing up and shouting, would you just stand up and shout? If you if if they say something that like you've been waiting to hear your whole life and you're like yes, and you just feel like standing up, just stand up and do one of these things. Just jog in place and then sit back down. That's fine, right? Can we be free this morning? Can we have fun in church? All right, good, good, good. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, so let me introduce these guys, and then they're gonna to get to it. Pastor Mike is our online campus pastor. That's right. I think your online campus showed up today. We got Pastor Jason. He's our San Marcos campus pastor. We got Pastor Mario. He's way down south in our San Cedro campus. And then, if you're here in Point Loma, you know this guy. This is Pastor Travis. He's now your campus pastor. <laughs> So let's do this. We're gonna, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna bring up Pastor Mike. And when I say Amen, that's your cue to go nuts, okay? Lord, thank you so much for these men. And I pray you would anoint them and speak through them. Holy Spirit, fill this place. All through the camera and at all of our seven locations across America, our microsites. Would you just move in a mighty way in Jesus' name? Amen. Pastor Mike. Amen. Amen. How are we doing, Rock Church?
1: How you doing, Rock Church Online Campus? I love you all. Hey, I'm really privileged and honored and humbled to be here at this stage to be able. That was my brother in laws the What Up, Mike. But I'm here, very privileged and honored to be able to speak to you all today. It's really humbled. I'm really humbled. But I'm speaking on forgiveness today, like we said. So I want to demonstrate through a story of my daughter and my wife. So if you know my daughter, Avery, she's this bubbly, crazy girl. She's so fun. Like when she's happy, everyone knows it. She's the happiest person in the room. And when she's sad. Everyone knows it, right? She's the most emotional, saddest person in the room. It happened to be yard work day, right? I know that's, that's like pain for a lot of you, but we're in the backyard, we're doing work in the sun, and we have these big 25-pound bags of mulch, and my daughter's out in the backyard, and she sees a little roly-poly, you know those little tiny bugs that roll up in a ball? And she's like, I'm gonna make one of these my pet. And she, she names it, She's taking pictures of it. She makes a little home for it. She's taking it on walks and pushing it around, right? And and she just falls in love with this little roly-poly. And she's trying to get our attention. Like, "Come, come be part of what I'm doing. I want you to see my pet. And we're working hard. And finally my wife, out of compassion, says, okay, Avery. Sets down the bag of mulch and says, let's look at your pet. And my daughter just looks up in tears and just starts bawling, crying. And we're like, what's, what's going on, Avery? She's like, you crushed my pet. My wife set the bag right down on her new little pet. And my wife's like, oh, my, I can't believe I did it. And I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm over on the other side, you know, trying to keep it together. But ultimately, my daughter forgave my wife, of course, her mom. And, you know, we moved on. But I know some of you have some serious, deep-rooted forgiveness that needs to happen today. I know, I know I, I'm living my own forgiveness stories. I have people I need to forgive and people I need to receive forgiveness from. So I'm no, I'm, I'm no fool saying that I'm not preaching to myself. But I want to talk about how to forgive when it's hard. How to forgive when it's difficult. And there's two things that we need to understand. Number one is that our flesh is weak. And number two, that the spirit is strong. So we're in First and Second Samuel. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. It's actually the verse that you read this morning. Um, you guys have already read this, right? If you're in our Bible reading. And I want to talk about our flesh being weak. So Saul is this character that's really known for acting in the flesh. You guys, if you guys know Saul, he's, he started out as this mighty king. He was blessed by the spirit of God. But one decision after the next, he began to believe that he knew better than God. He started making his own decisions and believing that he could act in, in disobedience and lead Israel the way he wanted to lead them. Eventually, David rises up and he sees David as a threat. And this is when things really start going downhill for Saul. Because Saul eyes David and comes after him, tries to kill him multiple times. David's on the run, hiding in caves. You guys know the story, right? And the thing about Saul, he's, he's completely acting in the flesh and, and doing things his own way. But if we were to really be honest with ourselves... We act in the flesh sometimes, amen. We act in the flesh over and over again. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution and given up before the end of January? I know I have. Right? We we try to make commitments. We try to make commitments to God and we let them go because we sometimes try to do things in our own strength. But I'll tell you one of the worst things that we do is we try to justify why other people don't deserve our forgiveness. Think about that for a second. Jesus died on the cross took the stripes for us, put on the crown of thorns, had to bear that heavy cross because of the sins that we did and he chose to forgive us of all the sins that we had accumulated in our entire lives and yet we're not gonna forgive the trespasses of someone else because they're mean, because they'll never change, because they hurt me. But you know what? We hurt God more than, more than anyone could ever hurt us. I truly believe that if we understood the weight of our own sin, we would never hold a grudge again. We would never hold a grudge against anybody else in our lives. Right? This is what Saul did. But David comes. Right? David comes. And he's this young man, this humble man that rises up. He's the youngest of a bunch of brothers and so am I. So I understand what he probably went through as a young man. He was shaped and formed in humility because he was never as fast or as strong as his brothers. Right? But yet he's the one who steps forward to fight Goliath. Why? Not because David was strong, but because the spirit was strong in him. Amen? Amen. David stood and he faced Goliath as a man and knew that God would empower him to defeat this, this giant. This is the beautiful thing about David is that his, he was living out of a transformed life. Okay, he, he ends up hearing about Saul's death, okay? So Saul finally dies in battle. Remember, Saul was this man who was coming after David his entire life, trying to kill him. And Saul finds out that David died and here's, here's David's, or David finds out that Saul died and here's David's response. 2 Samuel chapter one, Verse 11, therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. So look at how David responds. David finds out that the man who was trying to kill him had just died. And David's response isn't to throw a party, it's not to celebrate. Now I want you to try to put yourself in his shoes. Pretend you're working in a business and there's someone who treats you horrible. I know that that's probably not the case with any of you here. Because you all probably work with perfect employees. But pretend someone's treating you really poorly. And then they get fired. Right? That's like the yes moment. Like you got it. You got what you deserve. You had it coming at you. But David didn't do that. David mourned over the death of Saul because he was transformed by the spirit of God. We want to forgive people when it's hard. We need to be in Christ. We need to be transformed by the spirit of God. Here's what I want to close with. That person that probably popped into your mind when we were talking about forgiveness. There's probably someone in your heart and in your mind right now. God wants you to forgive them. We don't need to go pray and ask if God wants us to forgive them. We don't need to. It's very clear in scripture that we're supposed to forgive. God wants you to forgive that person. But I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen in your own strength. It's not going to happen in your own flesh. It's going to happen because your life is transformed by a living God. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to go through a life transformation in order for us to be Christ-like. Forgiver is an attribute of Jesus Christ. It's not an attribute of man. It's an attribute of Jesus Christ. And we need to be like Christ if we're going to have the heart to forgive those who've wronged us. Amen? So allow God to transform you. Allow God to do something in your life. This transformation that you go through, that transforming work of Jesus Christ, daily discipleship, loving God, becoming conformed to his image, that's what's going to make you have the desire and the heart to forgive like Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Hey, Hey, online campus, would you give your campus pastor some love? Just comment in the comment section. All right, get ready, San Marcos. You ready, San Marcos? All the way from San Marcos, Pastor Jason.
2: One way you could categorize my childhood is I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my dad had an affair on my mom when I was young, and they couldn't work it out. So before I was a year old, they divorced. I grew up my mom, with my mom as a result. My dad was in a, a long distance relationship with me because he traveled with his job. And into my adulthood, that continued. We started to talk a little bit more, but then something happened. The phone calls just stopped coming. And so six, seven years had gone by, and before I know it, I haven't heard from my dad in that period of time. And so seven years ago, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, challenged me lovingly and said, you, you need to make this right. You need to pick up the phone. You need to call your dad. And I lovingly said, uh, No. <laughs> no, no. You see, if I, I've already forgiven my dad, or at least so I thought. If he wants to be in my life, that's on him. He knows my phone number it hasn't changed. If he wants to be in my life, he needs to pick up the phone and make that call. It reminds me of a story we're going to read this week in our reading in 2 Samuel about King David and his son Absalom. By the way, if if you think that soap operas and telenovelas got drama, they got nothing on scripture. It is crazy. And so Absalom, he's he's actually killed his older brother Amnon. He's done this because Amnon has done something unspeakable. He's violated his sister Tamar and so Absalom takes his life in, in revenge. So now he flees and runs away because he knows he's forfeit his life, he's committed murder. So, you have King David, a father who's mourning the loss of his oldest son, and now he's mourning the, the loss of his, another son who's an outcast in exile. But there's unforgiveness in him. He's got a hard heart. He's not willing to bring his son back. In fact, it takes a close friend of his to, to trick him into believing and understanding that he's making a mistake, that he needs to bring his son home. And so, finally, the king gets it and he invites his son to come home. But there's a catch, there's a condition to his forgiveness. We'll pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24 king says, yeah, bring him back. But the king said, he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. Now it's a reasonable person. Does that sound like forgiveness to you? Of course not. But we do this, don't we? Right? we in the name of forgiveness, we attach these conditions on it. Right? This is like this partial forgiveness. I forgive you, but if you want to be in my life, dad, you have to pick up the phone. I forgive you, but I'm going to gossip about you as long as I know you. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to tell you that I forgave you. No, no, no. You see, we do this all the time. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, what's going on? There's no buts in forgiveness. You got to get your butts out of here. You want to know what forgiveness looks like? Look at the cross, exhibit A. You see, Jesus knew exactly what it was going to take. It was going to cost him everything, the ultimate price so that we could be forgiven. And you know what he did? He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, you're worth it. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful as I stand here before you today that Jesus wasn't into partially forgiving me of my sins. Can I get a hallelujah at one of the campuses? You see, Jesus doesn't understand partial forgiveness. It's either you forgive or it's unforgiveness. There's nowhere in between. And you're saying, oh, that sounds great, Jason, but you don't understand. What the pain that I've been inflicted upon me, the cost for someone betraying me. And you know what, you're right. I don't know. But here's what I do know. That when it comes to forgiveness, Jesus raises the bar even higher. He says, listen, if you're unwilling to forgive those who sin against you, then your father will not forgive you of your sins. We say, what? I'm sorry, Jesus, what did you say? Did you catch what he said? He said, there isn't a person in your life, a circumstance, a situation, no matter how much it hurts you, that you are not required and commanded as a follower of Jesus to forgive them. Now, let's just be clear real quick what forgiveness is not. It's not about forgetting. It's not about ignoring. Right? It's not about reconciliation or restoration, although that is the goal. But without forgiveness, that can't possibly happen. You see the invitation, the command is there, we must forgive. But we, we face a problem though, don't we? You see, we don't, we don't feel like forgiving. Well, think about it for a second. That statement, of course you don't feel like forgetting and forgiving. Right, someone just put a knife in your back, betrayed you. Someone's just taken your heart out, thrown it on the ground, stepped on it, lit it on fire. I'm pretty sure there's some feelings in that moment. Forgiveness is probably the least of those at the top. You see, the, the lie that we've all bought into, the lie that we believe when it comes to forgiveness is we believe that we have to feel forgiveness first. But you see, feeling forgiveness isn't the start of the process, it's the end of the forgiveness process. You want to know what forgiveness looks like, it looks like this. It starts up here in your head. You've got to choose to forgive. You've got to willfully decide that even if you don't want even if you don't think you've done anything wrong, I'm going to choose to release you of any burden and responsibility. But it can't just stay up here, you see. It's got to be lived out. And so Jesus says you've got to take obedient steps of faith. Your hands have to get involved. You've got to pick up the phone. You've got to pray for that person. You've got to go and have that difficult conversation and say, I forgive you. You see, if you do that long enough, you keep saying those things in your head, you keep doing those steps of faith, eventually your heart, it catches up. After enough time goes by, you wake up one day and you realize that your feelings, your emotions, they're there. And you actually feel the forgiveness you've been talking about and you've been preaching and been practicing in your life. And, for, and King David, he, he does get this eventually. He eventually allows his son to see him and they embrace and they kiss. Unfortunately, it's because of that unforgiveness that it's going to come back and it's going to bite David big time. We're going to find out this week. I also learned something seven years ago that's continued to pay dividends today. And that is when I listen to my wife, things usually go well for me. Well, a little, a little free advice for the fellas. And so I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I said, "Dad, listen, I, I don't know why you haven't called me in the last six, seven years, but I want you to know that I forgive you. Whatever you've done, whatever you think you've done, I forgive you. You see, Dad? Because Jesus, He's forgiven me of every sin I've ever committed, everything I've ever done wrong, He's forgiven me. And as Jesus forgives me that, I also forgive you. And it was because of that tearful conversation that here we are, fast forward to today, that my dad and I have the best relationship that we've ever had. Amen. A month ago, he was here visiting with our family and he was spending time with his granddaughters, and he's in their life and they know their grandfather because of that conversation. And so here's the challenge for you today, family Who are you partially forgiving in your life? What blessings are you not receiving that you're not even aware of because of un- unforgiveness in your heart? You see, if we say that we're following Jesus, if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we have to be willing to forgive fully as He's fully forgiven us. We can't hold on. We can't hold on to those conditions. We can't say, yeah, but we have to be willing to go all the way. Say, I release you completely from, from my pain and my well being. That's not your responsibility any longer. So, family, don't let another, another sun go down on your day before picking up the phone and making that call. Amen? God bless you.
0: Oh, come on, somebody, come on. Kind of forgiveness, that's good, right? Kind of, kind of forgiveness. Thanks, Jason. All right, ready, San Ysidro? Get ready. This is your new guy. Hey, new, new to the Point Loma stage and new to the San Ysidro campus. Our San Ysidro campus pastor, Mario
3: Man Toya. <laughs> hey, what's going on, Rock Church? Ah, it's so good to be here. Shout out to San Isidro. Yeah, they're, they're going crazy. They're going crazy in San Isidro. Have you noticed that whether you like it or not, offenses are going to come your way. And sometimes from loved ones, sometimes from complete strangers. As long as there's any kind of human interaction around you, there will be offenses. Not too long ago, I was standing in front of the mirror, frustrated with how much weight I gained during my wife's last pregnancy. (laughs) And at that time, my wife made a comment. She said, do you know that I still love you, even though you don't look like you used to look like the first time we met. I was offended. I turned. And there she was, standing, half asleep, holding our newborn baby in her arms. And the only thing that I could do at that moment was laugh. And and pretty soon both of us were laughing at how bad that comment came out. I laughed so hard that day that I'm pretty sure I got an ab workout. I I cannot prove it, but I'm pretty sure it happened. You see, offenses are going to come our way. The question is, how do we handle offenses? In, in today's uh, passage, we're gonna look at two ways of doing that. Today, we're gonna pick up the story in 2 Samuel 19 where David is coming back to Israel. Israel betrayed David and then they repented and they asked for forgiveness and asked him to come back and be their king. David, all he has to do is literally cross the Jordan River and experience a restored kingdom. But before that happens, he is going to face one of his previous offenders. And let's see what happens. 2 Samuel 19 verse 18. Now Shimei, the son of Jerah, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, do not let my lord impute iniquity to me or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem. That the king did... On that day, uh, (laughs) that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. What a way to apologize. Now David has to make a choice. And here we find our first point. You can choose to be in power or you can choose to be empowered. See, David chooses to be empowered by forgiveness. He decides to step out, dismiss the offense, and experience a restored kingdom ahead of him. I wonder how many of us tend to remain in power and as we do that, we become miserable and we make the people around us miserable. I believe that some of us today are going to be empowered by forgiveness. We're going to step out of that river and we're going to experience the blessings that God has ahead of us. But the story is not over. Because David is told that he has the right to seek revenge. So let's, let's look at his response. Verse 22. And David said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Sariah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. Here we find our second example on how to forgive. It's not about being right but about being righteous. When our mind tells us that it's okay to seek revenge, our soul is going to tell us is going to tell us that it's about being righteous. The spirit of God living inside of you is going to tell you to be righteous in the eyes of the Lord. You see, righteousness means to be free of guilt and free of sin. And some of you may say, well Mario, that's so easy for you to say. But you don't understand, I have deep wounds. I've been hurt and I do not want to dismiss your pain. Your pain is very real. And oftentimes when this happens, people tend to go and look for professional help. So I would encourage you to do that. But they are going to tell you the exact same thing that I'm going to tell you. Because psychology means the study of the soul. Meaning that the answer is right here inside of you. In your heart, in your soul. The spirit of God is going to reveal the answer. Not your knowledge. Not your own understanding. I wonder if this is the reason why David often prayed, Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my soul. In Psalms 3415, David writes... The Lord is close to the righteous. Even in his deepest pain, the Lord was near to David. So I believe that some of us are receiving the message that God is doing something in our hearts in this moment. And I'm going to encourage you, do not let this moment pass you by. Do not take it for granted. Because Monday is coming. And Monday is going to bring its own offenses. Maybe you're going to go back to work or back to school and you're going to be wearing an outfit and somebody's going to say something about that outfit and you're going to be offended. Maybe nobody's going to say anything about your outfit and you're going to be offended. Maybe a loved one is going to say something that's going to trigger you and you're going to be offended. Today we'll learn two ways of how to deal with that. Number one. You can choose to be in power or be empowered. Choose to forgive and experience the blessings that God has ahead of you. And number two, it's not about being right, but about being righteous. Remember that it's not, amen, it's not about what your head things it's about what your heart what your soul knows i'm going to encourage you that you live this place and knowing that as you pursue the heart of god you can become a do something disciple that gracefully gives and receives forgiveness anytime and every time after any offense so may you be righteous in the eyes of the lord god bless your rock church
0: Man, are you Empowered or in power, that's good, huh? That's good, you write that down? Well, finishing up our time today, is if you're here in Point Loma, but if you're not, this is the Point Loma pastor, pastor campus pastor. There it
4: is,
3: pastor know. campus, campus Give pastor. Give
4: Travis. What's up Rock Church. What's going on? Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, would you turn to Second Samuel chapter 16? If you were in the reading we were just in, just flip a few pages forward. I want to tell you a quick story as you're getting there. Uh, I remember waking up on a Christmas morning when I was a young kid and I got this car, a red car similar to this. Uh, it was a red and a blue one and it came with a racetrack and I could set it up on the ground and I can set the track up against the wall and I would race it uh, up and down. It went super fast, but I always uh, flew them off the track, came with a remote control. And it would frustrate me, it would anger me, didn't matter, didn't, didn't, didn't make any difference. It would always go off the track. You and I live in a world that is designed to take us off track. That's what we live in. It's just designed that way. And people will come into your life. Family will come into your life. Friends and coworkers will come into your life. You're in your own lane, doing your own thing, living life with purpose, on purpose. And they will come into your life and offend you. They'll anger you. They'll upset you. They'll pressure you. And we try to get back on track. But usually we don't get better. We get bitter. We get angry. We want justice. We get frustrated. And none of those things work. They don't repair those things, those emotions don't, don't restore. And so I want to give you a statement today that describes my next few minutes and it will make sense. When the attacks and the offenses of the world come against you, to pull you off track and nothing else works, forgiveness always works. Turn to your neighbor and tell him right now, forgiveness works. Tell him forgiveness works. Tell the other neighbor forgiveness works. Forgiveness works. It just does. Let me show you how forgiveness works in 2 Samuel Chapter 16, verse 5. It's a story about King David. Here's how it goes. As King David approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei. Now I remember this because I shimmy. That's how I remember it. Shimei. And you'll remember that too now. There you go. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. This is how you know it's gone to the next level. When someone calls you a scoundrel, it's on. It's on, you scoundrel. Verse 8, the Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai son of Zariah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over there and cut off his head. Skip to verse 11. David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite, leave him alone. Another way of saying leave him alone is just let it go. Let it go. And we need to remember that forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a decision to let things go. We keep going to verse 13, so David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went, throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination, exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. I want to give you three points. The first one is this, forgiveness works to set you free. Forgiveness works to set you free. In verse 9, David refused to get stuck there. His boy wanted to go cut the head off of Shimei. And David says, no, 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 I'm not about that. But you and I, don't we do that sometimes, Lord? Can I just go take care of that girl and key her car? I got this. Can I just go lay some hands on this dude right here, Lord? Just lay some spiritual hands and some physical hands. Let me take care of the situation. But if we do that, we just get stuck on the offense. We can't think of anything else. We can't do anything else. We are stuck. You and I, you may be, and if you're here today, you may be imprisoned to the prison of offense. And the only key to unlock that door is forgiveness. Forgiveness works to set you free. Here's point number two. Point number two, forgiveness works to move you forward. Forgiveness works to move you forward. In verse 13, David and his men, they continued along. They saw the stones. Watch out, watch out. You see that stone, King David? I saw the stone. I remember. The curses. Do you hear what he's calling you? Do you know what he told you back there? Yep, yep, yep. The dirt. When's the last time you got hit with a dirt claw anyways, like junior high? It's a grown men. But they moved forward. You may be here today and you have been rehearsing the thoughts of an offense from two years ago. Two months ago, two weeks ago, even two hours ago, in the parking lot with your spouse, and you just can't let it go. Can I encourage you? If your memories of the past are greater than your vision for the future, you're not stuck, you're going backwards. You're going backwards. You're, you're not stuck. You're actually dying, you're depleting, you're shrinking, you're going back. But David's men, they kept moving forward. Make a decision to forgive because it works and it works to move you forward. I'm gonna keep going. Point number three. Forgiveness works to bring you before Jesus. Come on somebody. That's where you want to be. Forgiveness works to bring you before Jesus. In verse 14, that last verse, the men arrived exhausted. everybody say exhausted. exhausted? Of course they did. Of course they arrived exhausted. They're being pelted with dirt clots. They're covered in shame, covered with words, hit with stones. And so what did they do? They refreshed themselves. Let me ask you a question. Are you exhausted today? Are you exhausted with the sin that has been rotting in your heart, that, that spirit of unforgiveness, that spirit of offense, that rage, that anger? Are you exhausted? If you said yes to that question, then you need to be refreshed. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, forgiven. And then watch this. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I wrote this down. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to mess it up. When you make a decision, when I make a decision to embrace forgiveness, whether giving it or receiving it, it doesn't mean the sin or the pain didn't happen. It just means you've made a decision to let it go, to come before Jesus and to be refreshed by the grace of God. That's what you decided. So what do we know? know that when the attacks of the world, the attacks of your family, the attacks, the offenses of your friends and your coworkers come against you and they will come against you and all those other things don't work, the bitterness and the rage and the anger, forgiveness always works and it works to set you free, it works to move you forward and it works to bring you before Jesus and that's exactly where you want to be. Jesus went to the cross and died and forgave us gracefully so that we could learn to gracefully forgive other people. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're on our online campus, you're at one of our other campuses and you're thinking, man, I'm not even there yet. But today may be the day you get there. And so we want to give you that chance. In fact, we don't want to go any further without giving anybody and everybody that opportunity to receive that saving grace, that forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're releasing it today. So I'm going to ask everybody just to bow their heads, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at. If you're on our online campus, bow your head. Our microsites, bow your head. And we're just going to pray a prayer together. And nobody move. This is probably the most important part, point of our, our message today. We want to embrace this forgiveness that comes from Jesus. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you need to receive that grace, that forgiveness from Jesus. Just pray this quietly in your heart. Say, dear God, I love you. I believe you are exactly who you claim to be. God, I believe that you sent your one and only son to die for me. And he lived the perfect life that I couldn't live. And he died the death that I deserved to die. Come into my life, Jesus. Take away my sins. Forgive me right now. I release unforgiveness. I release pride. I release anything that's not of you. And I receive a new life and a new heart right now. As everybody's eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, wherever you're at, online campus, microsites, one of our other sites, no one looking around. If you made that decision today, we just want to ask you, if you could just slip up a hand right now. Would you just slip up a hand, all of our campuses, hands going up all across the room. Good, good, good. Good, God bless you. We see you. God bless you. Good. All the campuses, good. Online, good. Just click that, that button, raise hand. Good. Awesome. Lord Jesus, we say thank you for every decision that's being made right now to trust you and to receive forgiveness and to release it, to embrace it, because that's what you did for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray a blessing on every life that is being transformed right now. Four messages on forgiveness. Lord, it must be important to you today. For somebody and maybe for everybody. And so we receive it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Can we give a hand to the Lord. Thank you for all those life-changing decisions today. Amen. Awesome. All of our campuses, nobody move. Nobody move. One of the coolest things we get to do as a church is to literally celebrate the forgiveness of Jesus through communion. In fact, when you came in today, everybody should receive one of these communion cups. You can just slip up a hand. If you didn't get one, one of our team members at our campuses will bring one to you. And hey, if you're on our online campus, would you just, if you're at home, grab a couple elements, grab some bread, grab some juice and then partake in this. The elements aren't holy by themselves. The elements become holy because Jesus is holy. I'm going to walk us through this together today. Jesus, in Matthew 26, we find one of the accounts and he's with a group of guys, kind of like this. His friends, his church, his disciples. And he takes the bread. So very carefully take out the bread. And he breaks it and he begins to pass it amongst his disciples. And he says, this represents my body. And here's what happened to his body. It was nailed to the cross. He had a a, a crown of thorns pressed on his head. He was spat on. He was beat He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, almost to the point of death. Then he went to the cross, pierced hands, pierced feet. He was betrayed and he did that for us. And so as we take this bread today, we remember Jesus and his sacrifice. Let's take this right now. Very carefully, would you go ahead and open up your cup with the juice. Jesus did something like this. Pretty similar, he took a cup, passed it amongst his disciples. And he began to tell them that this would be the symbol, this would would, would be symbolic of the blood that would be shed for your sins, for my sins, for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. All sins of the world would be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And he said, do this and remember me. And I love that as a church, we get a chance to remember the forgiveness of Jesus for you and for me. Let's take this now. Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the praise that you and you alone deserve. Thank you for going to the cross. You went the whole way. You didn't hold back. May we learn to live like you and love like you and forgive as you have forgiven us. We bless you now. In Jesus' holy name, the whole church family said... Amen. Should we give God praise, Rock Church? Let's give him praise. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Hey, family, here at Point Loma and every campus, would you join me on your feet, please, as I I dismiss this. Was this fun or what? Hey, can you encourage these guys? They've been working really hard and they're at all the services and they left their families all day and they're...